This episode of Talk Central is brought to you by Pinnacle, Africa's top ICT distribution business, delivering the exceptional every time. I'm Rechard van Berg. And I'm Duncan McLeod. This is Talk Central, episode 227 for the week starting 22 July 2018. Talk Central is brought to you by Tech Central, SA's premier tech news website and podcast network. On Talk Central this week, layoffs on the cards at Internet Solutions. Also this week, Stephen von Koller to take the reins at EOH. The EU imposes a massive fine on Google. Tebow Touch is launching a video streaming platform. And Project Loon signs its first deal for internet balloons in Kenya. It's Sunday. We're live on live at techcentral.co.za and it's time to talk everything tech. Welcome to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. Very, very good. Um, lots of news this week. It's been a busy one, actually. Um, quite, a, quite a lot. Not happening. all good, unfortunately. Not, not all good. No, but we'll we'll get to that in a moment. Let's do the quiz first, though. Certainly. The first question: Tibo Touch revealed in an interview with Tech Central this week that he plans to launch a video streaming platform. What will it be called? And MTN announced that it will sell which subsidiary operation for two hundred and sixty million euros. Third question. Stephen von Koller is joining EOH as its new group CEO. Which company has he resigned from to take on this role? And how much did the EU fine Google this week over alleged anti-competitive abuses around the Android operating system? And the final question. Which South African company is a technology partner for the Tour de France? That's our quiz. As always, we'll get to the answers at the end of the show. Just a reminder, we record live on Sundays at 1 p.m., and uh, you can take part in the show. Send us a WhatsApp voice note uh, to the number 071-999-1111. That's 071-999-1111. And we'll include you in either the show live today or uh, if you send it post-show, we'll include it in our next show. So keep those voice notes coming. We look forward to hearing from you. But let's talk about this week's news. Yeah, let's start with the bad news, Rachel, and that's uh, Internet Solutions announcing this week that they are going to be retrenching, or it's likely that they're going to be retrenching employees. I first got wind of this uh, late last month, um, and uh, I put it to the MD, Saki Masaikos, and um, he declined to comment, saying they don't comment on market speculation. Uh, I had only one source for the story at the time, so I decided not to run it, but um, got some further information from other sources during the course of this week and put it to him again and he confirmed that there's a restructuring going on at the company and this may was very likely to lead to to job losses he didn't say they said they're still busy with the process they don't know how many positions are going to be affected but my sources are saying that it could affect up to 200 people and that letters have already been sent to um to various employees i think especially in the support technical support division department uh, and uh, they've been asked to reapply for their positions. Um, so yeah, never, never great news. Um, mm-hmm. I think Didata went through a, a process of re- redundancies last year or the year before last. Um, so I think the group itself is is um, is finding the going a bit tough out there. Um, there's been quite a lot of retrenchments around the industry over the last little while, and I guess a sign that the um, that the both that the the economy is not doing that well. And and also that uh, the competition in the ICT space is um, is particularly tough at the moment. Yeah, certainly these, these companies need to kind of tighten those belts. I think everybody needs to. Unfortunately, when it comes to th- something like this, it does mm. affect livelihoods. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's it's never a good thing, unfortunately. But companies also, I think, 
I guess every few years companies do go, you know, financially, finan- or whatever the financial situation is, they do go through a kind of a spurts of, you know, kind of having to restructure or, uh, you know, kind of just reshape their business. Um, I guess, you know, that's yeah. a sign of a, of a business being agile and, and moving and growing and, and doing things. Yeah, um, it's, it's unfortunate. As sad as what it may be. Yeah. It is it's very unfortunate and it is, um, it is no doubt partially due to the tough economy, but I think it's also to do with uh, the aggressive competition that we're seeing in uh, the ISP market. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fiber being deployed aggressively, um, new mm-hmm. players coming into the market. I think Seacom Business has had a big impact on margins for some of these players. Yeah, uh, they're, yeah. they're competing directly in that enterprise um, ISP market. So, yeah, you have to be nimble. You have to um, you have to cut the fat. Um, mm. And I think that's what's happening at Internet Solutions. And I think tech in general, too. I mean, if you think about tech making business, so we always talk about AI and these clever technologies that's just making companies work more efficiently. Mm. You know, <laughs> that, that also has repercussions. You know, mm. unfortunately, jobs do get impact. I'm not saying that's uh, the, the cause here. Yeah. Um, but if you see how technology is making certain tasks much easier and, and automated, yeah. um, support and that kind of thing is one of them. You see, I've seen a few companies changing their support structure yeah. um, to an automated platform or it's an online platform where they have fewer staff managing more uh, requests. Mm, mm, mm. So, yeah, sign of the times. Yeah, I don't think there's too much more to be said on Internet Solutions. We'll obviously keep a close eye on the story and see how it develops and uh, will there be some further communication from the company. Um, but, uh, yeah, tough times at IS. Uh, um, it's unfortunate, but uh, I guess these things do happen from time to time mm-hmm. in even the best companies. Um, so let's move on. Um, this next story is really interesting. Stephen Van Collar, he used to run the um, – Commercial in uh, corporate and investment bank rather at ABSA. Uh, he then joined MTN about two years ago, um, and he's filled various roles there. I think he was the head of digital, vice president for digital services, or something along those lines. Uh, or, uh, I think that's what he might be now. He was, I think, brought in to head up uh, mergers and acquisitions. Um, but he has uh, he resigned from MTN this week after just two years in the job, and. Um, He's joining EOH as its new CEO. Uh, interesting move. Um, mm-hmm. We know EOH said a few weeks back that they were in talks with uh, with, with someone with a great deal of experience in the, uh, I think they said in the uh, corporate finance space w- with some background in ICT. Um, he, Stephen Van Collar was very well paid, very well remunerated in MT, and I had to look at their 2017 annual report. And if you include all of his benefits and everything, he was paid 20 million rand in the 2017 yeah. financial year. So I'd imagine that EOH is, is paying him some good money to come across. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done at EOH. We all know what's happened to the share price over the last 18 months. Um, and yeah, EOH is going through a major restructuring. They've announced they're going to split into two businesses, uh, one called EOH, which, which will house the old, um, call them legacy IT businesses, um, mm. and a new business that will focus on, um, on fast-growing areas of the market and um, also be the sort of the lead vehicle for any further mergers and acquisitions, uh, merger and acquisition activity that they do. And that's going to be headed up by Zunaid Mayet, who was the former group CEO who resigned just a couple of months ago. So there's this new EOH Holdings entity, um, which uh, whose two investments will be EOH and Nextech, which is the new venture that, um, that uh, Zunaid is going to head up. And, and Stephen Van Collar is going to come in, come in and uh, take over uh, management or leading the um, the EOH Holdings business. 
Um, interesting move. Um, the share price, the market clearly liked the news because on the day it was announced, the share price rallied by 22% in one day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, arguably, the share had been massively sold off. I think investors had gotten very um, agitated and, and uh, disillusioned about uh, about EOH and some of the reports that had been coming out there about um, you know some of its subsidiaries and dealings in government and dodgy dodgy deals and all that sort of thing, especially around the CGT group of companies led by Keith Keating, which was an acquisition they made and have now reversed out of. Um, but there have been questions about corporate governance and whether it's being applied correctly at the organisation, uh, and you know they they they've. They've, they've got some big challenges and they, they need to win back investor confidence. So share price up 22%. It actually went up 6% uh, the day before Stephen Fincola's um, an, um, appointment was made known, which does make you wonder whether there was any insider trading going on. Uh, mm. I do wonder if the JSC is going to look at that. Um, but yeah, the markets, the markets welcomed it. I don't know Stephen Fincola. I've never met him. Um, not even in his context at MTN, so I can't really comment on, uh, give my views on the guy. Um, but he uh, seems to be very well regarded um, and has a his, – his history is mainly in banking. I think he was at Deutsche Bank before he joined ABSA um, and then a two-year stint at, uh, at MTN. It's not clear whether he really understands the ICT services space, though. Um, clearly, he would have got some insight working at MTN. Um, but uh, probably not into the the guts of um, what it takes to be a a, a traditional IT services business. Mm-hmm. Um, although he would have obviously worked with companies in in the various roles he's held over the years um, and had an understanding of it. And um, perhaps you don't need to mm-hmm. be an IT expert mm-hmm. uh, to to run a holdings company at this sort of level. Um, Depends but, on how good your staff is, your your supporting staff. I yeah, guess. yeah. Um, but I will be reading the next EOH annual report, which is where they obviously disclose remuneration uh, with a great deal of interest, because um, I think they're going to be paying this guy the big bucks. <laughs> <laughs> the big bucks indeed. Uh, so, yeah, interesting move. Interesting move. Um, EOH was clearly overvalued. I mean, oh, sorry, undervalued. It, it fell all the way down to 25 rand. If you think that two years ago it was trading about at about 180 rand a share, uh, so it lost over eighty percent of its value over that period. Um, it's bounced now up to around the forty forty two rand level. May still be a buy. I don't know. Um, I'm mm. certainly not uh, taking any chances on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was incredible to see the the value destruction that happened there. Um, I think it's a combination of, of um, you know investor jitters, the collapse in uh, you know um, investor confidence in South Africa, uh, coupled with the um, all the state capture uh, allegations that were r- reported in the media, the Gupta leaks, emails, etc., which EOH got itself caught up in. Um, and I think investors just took fright and said, you know, well, we're not going to touch this thing. Get out. Mm, mm. Um, but maybe there's some uh, maybe there's some sanity and some stability returning to EOH now, and um, maybe the shares are buy. I don't know. Um, I'm not an expert on these things, um, but uh, we, we, I guess we'll have to see the next set of financial results, which is due out in the next couple of months, um, to get a clearer picture of whether this, all the troubles that they've had over the last little while have led to management taking their eyes off the ball. Uh, and whether um, that's going to translate into uh, into weak numbers, um, I think the whole market is anxiously awaiting those next set of financial results. 
But, uh, Rehard, I think we need to take a quick break for our podcast listeners. Uh, for our live listeners, we'll be back in a moment. Bitco is revolutionizing the way businesses connect. We're taking on your connectivity challenges and shooting our high-speed fiber internet across the country. Not just for some, but for everyone. Fiber is not a luxury, but a necessity. For business, for life, for you. And being connected is everything. So network with a tier one internet provider and take your business to the next level of connectivity. Bitco.co.za. Connectivity is everything. Are you a search engine? Because you found me. I feel we have a strong connection. Well, you're pretty fly for a Wi-Fi. Should we drop it like a hotspot and head back to yours so we can show Max and snuggle? Let's get giga with it. Uh, but I don't have fiber. Don't get caught in 50 shades of delay. Broadband your horizons and switch to Vox's super-fast, super-reliable fiber network. Experience the momentum. Connect your world. Visit us at vox.co.za forward slash fiber. Well, welcome back to the show. How's it, Rehart? How's it, Duncan? Very good, thanks. So, did you um, see the story about the EU finding Google 4.3 billion euros? Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's not a small amount of change. Eh? It's the biggest regulatory <laughs> fine that the EU has ever imposed by a long margin, bigger than anything they ever levied on Microsoft, for example. Sure. And uh, this is all to do with the way that, uh, as I understand it, that, um, that Google controls the Android operating system, requiring handset manufacturers to include all of their apps and services on Android phones. So things like Gmail and uh, Photos mm -hmm. and all the other apps that Google creates. Now, the EU is well, Sorry? No, no, that's the ecosystem, right? That's what they're offering is on the Android yeah. platform. Yeah, and they give it away for free, which so it's, it's incredible that this, they've been fined $4.3 billion, or euros rather, for something they give away for free. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, yeah, and I, I think the fine is ludicrous, but, um, you know, the EU, they, they love to regulate and love to impose anti-competitive fines. Uh, I see Donald Trump came out and tweeted about it and said that this is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, I'm not sure what he's going to be able to do about it. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if he should be getting involved in this conversation. You know, it's yeah. We don't, we don't need that kind of. Uh, but it it is a bit ridiculous, I think. You know, if, especially if you look at what the product is. Um, you, you know, they've they've built this as a free platform. They're not restricting operators. Anybody can. I mean, we, that's why we, we we often criticize manufacturers for putting stuff on there that we don't want. Yeah. Anybody, you know, any any smartphone manufacturer can still make what they want with that operating system. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure. You know, I guess just because by default it's on there, but that doesn't seem like a strong enough argument if the product that you're giving away is a free product. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, you and I, and I suspect many consumers, want the vanilla uh, Android Google oh, yeah. experience. We want those apps. It's a good service. Yeah, it's a, it's a, those apps are fantastic. I think what the EU is arguing is that uh, there needs to be great – you know, they're, they're dominant in this platform, 90% of the market. There needs to be um, a greater ability for phone manufacturers and consumers to uh, install apps of their choosing. And the argument I think that the EU is making is that you buy an Android phone and if, the, if Gmail is the default app on there, then most consumers will just continue to use Gmail as the default app. Uh, I'm not sure that argument holds, though. Um, if a better app comes along, people will start to use it. Mm. But what about, uh, what about a company like Apple? I mean, surely they would fall or fall to the same... Uh, points that they are faulting Google on because if you buy an Apple device, 
you know, every everything you get by default is on there. Yeah. Um, you know, mail, fact, browser, everything. In fact, Apple in, in, in some respects is worse because um, even if you have Chrome installed <laughs> yeah. on your iPhone, for example, you click a link somewhere, it'll open up Safari, not, not, uh, not mm. Chrome. Mm. They force you to use Safari, um, whereas on, on Android, you can set your, def- your defaults. On, on Apple, you can't. Mm. Um, or maybe it's because Apple's also selling their own hardware, so they, they're selling – but that still doesn't make sense because even if you argue it that way, mm. it doesn't – you know, phone manufacturers can still do what they want. They can they can do a stock vanilla Android uh, with their own uh, software on it. Um, yeah. And uh, it's weird. I don't know. It just it just strikes me as regulators get poking their nose into something that they really shouldn't be poking their nose into. The market mm, will sort mm. itself out. I mean, we saw that in the desktop browser market. I mean, they went after Microsoft. Mm, mm. You know, who's the dominant desktop browser on? What is the dominant desktop browser on Windows now? It's not Edge or Internet Explorer. It's Google's Chrome. Mm, mm. Um, and Edge is trying really hard to keep customers. I've been installing new Windows machines in the last few days, and. Every time I install, you know, when you install Google first time, you open up Edge and uh, search for Google Chrome so you yes. can get the download. Yeah. Um, it's got specific ads that's targeting you that's saying, you know, it's obviously a faster browser, etc. Yeah, they do that. Yeah. I mean, are you, you sure can, you want to change? You, are, you this sure is, want to change? Yeah, this is a great browser for Windows 10. So Microsoft is is doing it as well, although you can change it. They try and make it as, as um, unenticing as possible. But it's like I'm spelt in with it, right? I mean, Android, you know, it's the same thing. It just comes... It, it just comes as an option with Windows. You don't really have an option when you install for the first time. It's there. Well, yeah, it's the same on. I mean, it's the same on Android phones nowadays. I mean, Android phones used to come with the with the sort of default Android browser, which was never very good. Um, they now come with all the Google services, which includes Chrome. Um, mm. But frankly, Chrome is a great browser, so I, I, I like to use it. If there was a yeah, on yeah. my Android device, if there was another browser that was better in some way, um, I, I, w- I wouldn't think twice. I'd switch to it. Uh, but the, the fact is, Google and Chrome on on Android is the best browser on that platform. Oh yeah, look, I would hate to see them make things more complicated. But a simple solution would seem to be, especially in, in an age of internet-connected devices. Obviously, mm-hmm. in in places where it's not where you don't have a, a prevalence in internet connectivity, it might be it might be an issue. But what about just giving them an option when you boot up your phone for the first time out of the box? Please pick your browser. Or, well, I think that's know, what the EU would like to see happen. Um, you know, give give consumers a range of options. You want to browse, but it's still going to be choosing Chrome, right? <laughs> a lot of people will, yeah. Uh, Google Chrome. I mean, it'll be the first option. And the, the fact that people chose have chosen Chrome for Windows as 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 it's now the biggest um, browser on Windows tells you that the market will sort itself out. Um, you know, yeah. Chrome is a brought out a Google brought out brought out a better better browser than Internet Explorer on Windows PCs, and people move to it. The market sorts yeah. itself out. Um, sure, there's some people who still use Internet Explorer. Um, they tend not to be t- tech savvy. Uh, mm. They tend to be um, – how do I put this delicately? Uh, <laughs> they, they, they tend to be of an older generation. Um, yeah. And that does, it doesn't matter. I mean, they f- they're fine with it. Why force mm. them to have mm. to go and choose a browser now? Um, it's In fact, if anything, I would, I would put the blame on the company that manufactures the phone for making the choice. Uh, if they, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, don't don't blame the guy that's providing the software yeah. for free. Um, whoever is implementing that, that I'm not saying go after them, but like, surely the blame isn't just with with one business. It's an mm. entire chain of things that happen. Yeah. I mean, why did some companies get it right so well, and others obviously mess it up, and there's just yeah. too much bloatware on the device?
and the customer talks and they don't uh, buy the device. Yeah. Yeah, I'd hate a situation where the operator is deciding what's going to be installed on my phone when I receive it. I mean, they really have too much control. There's already too much bloatware on these things. You yeah, know, they're the last people that should be touching the yeah, phone. If you exactly, if you if you buy a phone from from Vodacom uh, or MTN in particular, those two operators, um, their bloatware is all over that thing. I hate it. I don't want their their software on on my phone. If I want mm. their if I want their lousy app, I'll go and download it from the Play Store. I don't want it to be on the phone, and I and I don't want to f- force me. Or they don't. I don't want them to make it a system app, so I can't uninstall mm. it, which is what mm. they do. Um, and also, at which point at which point do you draw the line with technology? Where uh, I mean, especially with a, a company like um, you know the Google ecosystem, uh, you know, Alphabet, where they have all these products under the umbrella, they work very well together, which is one of the reasons why people like myself enjoy using Chrome because, you know, it, it's a trusted system. Gmail works well. Uh, Chrome syncs beautifully with everything. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, I've, I've lost my train of thought there. No. but <laughs> It's consumer choice. It's about consumer, it's consumer choice, choice at the end yeah. of the day. I mean, I, I use Vivaldi as my desktop browser because I've, I, I, I've, prefer it to Chrome. I used Chrome for many years. I think Chrome has become a bit bloated and uh, it's still a great browser. Um, I'd mm, use it over, mm. over Internet Explorer any day um, and, and probably use it over Firefox as well. But, um, but Vivaldi, I, I really like some of the features in it. It's a power user's browser mm, and mm. I've switched to it and, and, and it's called consumer choice and these things are free anyway. Yes. Um, yes. So I really do think the EU is, is is, is, is butting in where it's not wanted. Um, if you look back at the Microsoft antitrust uh, situation back in the ni- late 1990s, where regulators were going after them, I can't even remember the details of that. It had something to do with um, Internet Explorer on Windows um, as the default browser. I forget the yeah, details. Yeah. But that mark, you know, they were fined and uh, they were they were you know told they were bad and wrapped over the knuckles. But ultimately, that issue resolved itself through the free market, through mm. through both Firefox and through um, particularly through Google competing with yeah. Chrome. And the market resolved itself, and consumers decided uh, what the outcome was going to be. And and uh, Microsoft is now a small player, relatively small player in the browser market, and they they're desperately mm. trying to ma- maintain and grow market share. Uh, against um, a, a competitor who's now significantly bigger than them in browsers, so I don't know. Let the market sort itself out. Uh, if 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 consumers are not happy with Android and the way it's being pushed onto them, um, someone will come up with another operating system. You can be sure of it. Um, and there are other manufacturers looking at it. Samsung is developing Tizen. I don't know if it's any good. I've never used it. Mm. Um, I, I just I just feel that. Uh, I just feel the the European Union are just a bunch of bureaucrats who are milking these companies for all for all it's worth, and what they're doing is actually going to have very little impact on consumers at the end of the day. In fact, Mm -hmm. may make consumers' lives more miserable uh, because they're forcing things on onto consumers that they don't necessarily want. Why don't they spend all this money doing these kind of? um, you know the, this process of law, and then just rather educate their citizens. You know, just mm. spend that money on some clever ads and show them how to install other operating systems or browsers if they want to do that. And, and I'm being serious when I say that. There's, I think, much better ways to educate people because that ultimately is where the power does lie. Like you said, um, you know, and if the consumer makes it the right, or if the consumer makes a choice, it, it has that impact ultimately for where the business decides to take the product. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I just think the EU should butt out of business and uh, and let, let these companies compete, pretty much like the Americans do. Although the Americans also have antitrust, and um, they, I think they did unfairly go after Microsoft in the late 1990s. 
Um, but they, they take a much more of a hands-off approach than, than mm. the European Union. Um, yeah, anyway, I think, I think we've exhausted that story. <laughs> <laughs> so I had, I had a great uh, podcast, podcast uh, interview uh, earlier this week with Thibaut Touch, um, formerly of Metro FM, and he's now running Touch HD, an online radio station. Really interesting guy. Um, very interesting guy. I didn't know. I found out for the first time in the podcast that uh, uh, he moved to the States when he was a, a teenager, I think 17 or 18 years old. Uh, he finished his schooling in the U.S. And uh, the people he stayed with were the parents of Grace Jones, uh, the uh, the artist. And uh, when he finished his school, he moved to New York. And he stayed with Grace Jones in New York, I think in Manhattan. Uh, and he really inserted himself into the show business world there, uh, hustled a lot. And um, got a show on the SABC through Metro. He was working for Def Jam Records. Um, eventually came back to South Africa and uh, joined Metro. Uh, I think he was hosting the breakfast show on Metro. Uh, and then he struck out um, with Gareth Cliff to, to form a, uh, a, a co-venture with, with Gareth Cliff uh, called Touch Central, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And then he left that to start Touch HD on his own. I'm not sure what the mechanics of that were, why, why he left uh, Cliff Central, uh, but he did. And he started t- uh, Touch HD. Uh, I don't know how well Touch HD is done. If I look at the most popular podcasts in iono.afm, he's right up there. So I think he's doing well. And uh, yeah, he broke the news with us this week that he's launching a, um, a video streaming platform, a uh, similar sort of style to Netflix apps and, uh, you know, watch on your TV. Uh, in 4K, um, and he's going to be uh, working. He's secured a lot of funding, apparently, from the IDC, the Industrial Development Corporation, uh, to develop local content. And he's nice. um, he's going to be launching this in just a couple of months' time. I think early October uh, is the official launch. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's risky. I, I, um, I uh, you know. It, Going into the content game, streaming game, launching a new brand is an extremely mm, expensive mm. affair. So um, he's brave. Uh, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> it's great to it. see this. Uh, we, we need more of this, though, because this this, these are the platforms that's ultimately going to be main sources of consumption alongside YouTube and Netflix and those things. People are uh, you know, going to these, uh, what do you call them, um, micro or niche niche audiences or niche um, you know, kind of streaming services or content streaming services, you know, that you want to tune into because you know where it's coming from. You want to consume something directly from that kind of brand or that flavor of brand. So I think it's got a, br- a bright future. It's just we need one big one to mm. take off and, and really hit those numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And then some big companies going to come by and buy them. That's usually the case, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, no, indeed. Indeed. Um, it's a risky thing to do, but uh, yeah, I'll be watching it with a great deal of interest. So the venture, as he announced in our podcast, is called THD. Um, uh, I guess a play on Touch HD. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be coming to, there can be apps for Android, iOS. Um, it's going to be available in 4K, so you can watch it on your 4K TV in your lounge. Uh, and lots of original content. I think the key is going to be the original content, which is a very expensive mm, thing mm. to produce. Um, but he's very sure. excited. He's got uh, shows lined up, and um, he's uh, he's he's um, he's keen to get launched. I mean, October is a very tight time for him, so I presume mm, he's been working mm. on this for a while. Um, but uh, THD, I look forward to seeing more, and I'll definitely be at the launch and be reporting from there and providing more details on what he has planned. Sounds good. 
So, Rechot, uh, you've got something to talk about, the Loon, Project Loon, which is the Google Internet balloon project, right? Um, yeah, quite exciting stuff. It's, it's uh, Alphabet's Project X division has announced its first or its first commercial deal. And interestingly enough, that's with Telecom Kenya. Um, and now, according to Joe Makuru, Kenya's Information Communication and Technology Minister, um, this is a, a technology that they'll be introducing um, that the license operators will be able to use. So what they want to do is in places where infrastructure can't be deployed cost-effectively or, or you know, within a good time frame, they want to cover massive, massive areas of the country with um, Project Loon, which is essentially um, antennas hanging off balloons at 60,000 feet above the ground, which is pretty impressive stuff. Um, I didn't think these things were stationary, though. I thought they moved all the way around the planet. And, they, uh, they do. Oh, well, they, they would control them within an environment, uh, within a specific um, that what they say is w- at 60,000 feet, there's a specific um, wind um, air movement that keeps them obviously within the place, that the, within the areas that they want to keep them. And there must be some kind of um, control yeah. mechanism, I'm sure. I thought they'd really actually um, pulled back on Project Loon. I seem to recall reading something about a year ago saying that uh, they were they were they were not going to be pushing it as aggressively as they were. Well, I think it because it, it, it doesn't make sense everywhere. Uh, if you look at where they first deployed it with um, um, in Peru, following those massive floods, uh, when they first launched it, because they needed to get communication down to the people, I think they managed to connect 200, like 200,000 people or something. So in, in these very specific use cases, and I think like in uh, in Kenya, where they want to cover you know, massive parts of, of the country with um, cell phone or data connectivity, mm. This is a very practical short-term solution, I'm sure. And as the technology matures, potentially becoming a permanent solution. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, mean, I look forward to, uh, to seeing what the outcome uh, of this project is. Um, do you remember a couple of years ago, there was a, one of these Project Loon balloons that came down in the Karoo and some farmer found it and was scratching his head. I thought it was a UFO or something, yeah. Um, that was a fun story. Uh, that was a fun story. I think they did ship that back to Google eventually. <laughs> well, interesting. Just just in closing on that story, that mm. um, they're doing four G speeds on that now. So really, um, and take you know, all the, they're not necessarily going to deploy this in in in, in Kenya, but um, they've managed to get up to four G speeds using these the Loon technology, which is mm. which is very good. Hmm, interesting. I wonder how it's going to be priced. They, have they said anything about pricing yet? No, nothing. Cost of the project. Costing for the consumers, and nothing has been announced yet. Okay. Um, and there's no time frame for it either. So it's kind of, at least, it, it seems like the balls just started rolling. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, I think that takes care of this week's news. Let's move on to our regular features. Our winner this week is Bob van Dyke, who is the chief executive of NASPAS. Uh, who is literally rolling in the money. <laughs> he, uh, the NASPERS <laughs> published its uh, annual report, which included its remuneration p- report on Friday, and I went through that with some, in some detail. Um, if you look at his long-term uh, share incentive um, awards for this financial year and include uh, his salary and bonuses, he got about 160 million rand. <laughs> Uh, but if you then include um, the uh, vest- share options that vested this year, so options and share appreciation rights, he made, uh, if that's the t- correct term for it, because um, I don't think he would have sold those shares yet, but he is eligible to sell them, as I understand it, once those shares have vested, um, he in effect made one and a half billion rand. 
Wow. Um, so that's one high-paid executive. Uh, now, I must emphasize that um, he obviously had to pay for some of those options. I don't know the details of how much he paid for them. Um, and uh, obviously, there's tax implications in there. Um, and uh, he, as far as I'm aware, hasn't sold those shares. Uh, so it's, it's, it's on paper only. But um, still, uh, one and a half billion rand, uh, most of which is in the form of share options and share appreciation rights. Incredible stuff. Uh, I'm not mm. sure how happy NUSBAT shareholders are about, are about all of this, but... Um, He's our winner this week. Uh, he's certainly making a lot of dough. And our loser this week, for all the reasons we have uh, explained already, is the EU for its um, interference in Google's business and its insane fine on the company. And, uh, yeah, that's our winner and loser of the week. Uh, what's your pick this week, Rohit? So I've been playing with um, a very, very sexy little notebook this week. Uh, it's the Dell XPS 13-inch 2-in-1. This is yeah. This is a new one, Core i7, um, and I must be honest with you. I never thought I'd really like a small notebook like this, but there's just something about it. Now you know the XPS range is is beautifully designed to begin with. Yeah, you know, it's, it's got a very specific look and feel, like the MacBooks have for their own range. But the Dells, the Dells just do it so well, probably better than many other pieces that I've seen uh, in this caliber. But the two-in-one, thirteen-inch. Um, there's obviously a two-in-one device, which means the screen can flip around, so it turns into a, a tablet-like device. Um, it's got a 1.6 gigahertz processor, 8 gigabytes of RAM, uh, Intel 615 or 651 graphics processor. I'm not sure which one. I can't I, remember I what the numbering was. I presume you can spec this thing and put more RAM in and all the rest of it. Um, look, it is it, it is very limited in what you can do. You can't upgrade this to like a 30 gig. Um, I think you may be able to push it up to uh, 16 gigabytes. Hmm. Um, obviously, if you spec it out uh, at... at um, at checkout, so to speak, you'll be able to do that, but there's no aftermarket upgrades on this, uh, from oh, what right. I know. Okay. It's, it's quite a thin notebook. I mean, if you look at it and it closes, it, it's akin to the, the thinnest MacBook Air style. You know, it's, it's very wow. thin, very light. It is, it's really beautiful. And it's got a carbon fiber, um, and it's that thin, and it's a two in one, so you can flip the screen around and use it as a tablet. Yeah, so with Windows 10, obviously, that is actually a fantastic experience. Um, and the screen on this thing is also pretty good. It's a very high-resolution screen. There's two options you can choose from. Um, there's a 1920 by 1080 option and a quad HD version, which is 3200 by 1800. Nice. Unfortunately, that's not the one that I've got here. Okay. Yeah, that would be the one. Um, in terms of portability and just... I mean, it's it's a pretty powerful machine. It's got the Core i7. Even though it's a 1.6 gigahertz, you also have to keep in mind that... Um, you know, you're looking at a, a really long battery life here. Of a, uh, I haven't tested it completely yet. Uh, I think I'll, be, I'll probably be able to get five or six hours uh, from my usage over the week so far. So, um, yeah, definitely worth checking out. It's not the cheapest notebook, but you are paying for a lot of benefits here. It's a mm. very thin bezel around that screen. So when you flip it around, it it really feels like a tablet. There's no thick edges around it. Yeah. Um, just don't drop yeah, it. So, <laughs> just don't drop it, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Probably the only thing that I would find fault with on it is the lack of connectivity um, in terms of USB. Obviously, USB ports simply won't fit on your So There's USB-C um, and a display port and a micro SD slot, which is handy for photographers who want to nice. get, uh, get their cards. Well, the micro SD, if you use micro mm. SD in an SD card adapter. Um, there is a 3.5 millimeter audio jack, which is great. And, uh, yeah, overall, look, a fantastic, fantastic product to use in a business environment. This is the kind of thing I want to be carrying around with me. Um, I won't be editing videos on this, but it does everything else. Lightweight, even business traveler yes. device. Yes. Look, I can run Photoshop on you and it does 
basic editing that I want to do beautifully, but uh, I wouldn't do anything from a video editing point of view. Obviously, it's, it's yeah. not built for that. But yeah. um, fantastic in a business environment, I think. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, quite tempted to get something like this. <laughs> so my pick this week is a pair of headphones, uh, in-ear headphones from Jabra. Um, I've looked at some of their devices, uh, their earphones before. I'm very impressed with the quality. Uh, but these are being billed as a direct competitor to the AirPods from Apple, and uh, they're called the Elite 65T. Uh, I've played around with them and listened to a few hours of music, and they are really, really, really good. Uh, they fit comfortably and snugly in the ear, although I must say after a few hours, they do, you do start, they do start to hurt a bit. I haven't tried the AirPods, mm, and I'm mm. sure the AirPods are the same with all in-ear headphones. Anything in-ear, yeah, your mm. ear normally gets tired after it's a few tired, hours. Yeah, but the audio quality is fantastic. The, the, quali- the strength of the uh, wireless signal is, is brilliant. Uh, and um, certainly looking at a lot of the reviews online, they say, people say, reviewers are saying that these are a, a worthy alternative to the, to the AirPods, if not even better. Um, they come with uh, little adjustable um, ear cushion bits. I don't know what you technically call them, <laughs> to, to, depending <laughs> on the size of your ear. So you just need to make sure mm. you put the right ones in. They, um, they sweat resistant, um, although these are not the sports ones. They do sports ones as well, which are fully waterproof and you can go running in the rain with them. These ones are, um, are sweat resistant. So they, they, they're, they're warranted against um, damage from, from sweat when you're in the gym or something like that. Nice. Um, but uh, they are um, they're very nice. Um, I think they're about three and a half. I'd have to check the price, but I think they're in the yeah, ballpark. It's about three and a half online, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll have a more detailed I'll have a detailed review of them uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. But um, so far, I'm pretty impressed. So I thought I'd pick them as my pick on Talk Central this week. Uh, Definitely looks a lot nicer than those Apple earpods. Just, I don't know what it is about that white thing hanging out of your ear. It just doesn't <laughs> look right. <laughs> You're right. It does. It does look. They should have odd. made that in a different color. They should have made it like this darker gray that these Jabra ones are. It looks yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, white headphones is Apple's trademark. So I guess that's why they went that route. Um, the rumor is, by the way, that Apple's going to be announcing uh, quite a few headphone products uh, at the next uh, keynote. Uh, including uh, Apple-branded uh, over-ear headphones, hmm. which be interesting. I wonder if that's going to be with or without Beats. Without, apparently. Without the oh, Beats okay. name. Okay. You know. um, so hopefully they'll be better than Beats, because I'm, I'm not particularly impressed with the quality of Beats headphones, I must tell you. Um, I'm still, I've got a pair of Beats headphones in-ear ones that I've got many, many years ago, and yeah. I must be honest with you, they're still one of my favorite. I like the, I okay. like the additional bass that they put into the tunes. So I guess it's all depending on what yeah. you like. I bought a pair of Beats uh, over-ear headphones from the Apple Store in the U.S. about three or four years ago. Uh, I never found them terribly comfortable. Um, mm. I, I should I should have done more research and bought a pair of Bose or something at the time or Sennheisers. Um, but I bought these um, impulse buy and then sitting in an Apple Store in Las Vegas. And, um, <laughs> As you do in an Apple Store in Las Vegas. <laughs> indeed. Um, and I, I was never particularly impressed with the quality. Um, these were the Monster headphones, I think they were called. Uh, um, they were yeah. blue. Uh, the build quality wasn't great. The audio quality wasn't great. And um, a couple of years ago, they just broke. Um, oh, not shit. that I sat on them or anything. They just broke. Um, so I will not be buying another pair of Beats headphones. Uh, again, I've had a very bad experience with them. Well, they're certainly not worth the money, that's for sure. I mean, I wouldn't... I no, wouldn't, they're expensive for what they are. If they were yeah, cheap, they're yeah. cheap. They're cheap headphones, yeah. Well, that's the thing. If they were if they were much more value for money, you know, like the Scar Candy, that would have been a different thing. But Exactly, exactly, exactly. But, uh, yeah, uh, my, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm Bose, a Bose man through and through now. Uh, really good quality from Bose, but Sennheiser also does amazing stuff. I see they just brought announced mm-hmm. a new a new pair of headphones that's uh, selling at MyTech Direct for I think thirty five thousand. 
uh, rand. I haven't heard them, but uh, I also wouldn't be spending that much on a pair of headphones. Is it worth uh, taking a trip out there just to go and experience them? Probably. (laughs) Probably. I did hear the previous high-end ones, which I think were 22,000. Yeah, yeah. And I think I presume this is the replacement to those. 35 grand. Ouch. Yeah, no, that's too much for a pair of headphones. Yeah, um, no, um, unless your name is Bob Van Dyke, in which case you can afford them. <laughs> <laughs> I think at some point, yeah, and unless you really can tell all the little things apart, mm. for most people, you know, you just want something really good and loud. Yeah, for sure. So, anything else we need to do? I think that's quiz almost results. our show. That's almost our show this week. Yeah, let's start quiz results. Uh, let me do the first question. Tiba Touch revealed in an interview with Tech Central this week that he plans to launch a video streaming platform. What's it going to be called? And that's THD. Second question. MTN announced it will sell which subsidiary operation for 260 million euros? And the answer is MTN Cyprus. And Stephen Van Collar is joining EOH as its new group CEO. Which company has he managed, sorry, has he resigned from to take on the role? And that's MTN Group. And the fourth question, how much did the EU fine Google this week for alleged anti-competitive abuses around the Android operating system? And the answer is a whopping 4.3 billion euros. And a lot of headphones. <laughs> a lot of headphones, yeah. <laughs> And uh, which South African company is the technology partner for the Tour de France? And that is, of course, Dimension Data. And I had a really good chat this week with the uh, guy who is heading up the technology operations. He was actually uh, on the, at the Tour de France uh, in one of the trucks when I, when I did the podcast with him this week. And he talked about all the, how the t- technology behind the Tour de France works. Uh, I wasn't expecting it to be a great interview, to be honest, uh, perhaps partly because I, um, I'm not a huge cycling fan but it was fascinating so if you missed that podcast do go and have a listen to it um, and also don't miss the Tebow Touch uh, interview we did uh, earlier this week um, that was also very very interesting so uh, we're going to add a new feature to the show this week um, uh, hopefully it'll be a weekly feature but uh, you tell us whether you like it or not um, I've recently launched a new podcast on the Tech Central platform called Rock Central Rechard I know you've had a chance to listen to one or two of those already and no, they're awesome. Well done, by the way. They uh, are really great listens. Thank you. Thank you. The idea is really to um, have a bit of fun and uh, to showcase. I love rock music, um, a wide range of rock music from uh, from prog, 70s prog, modern prog, um, classic rock, hard rock, heavy metal, um, progressive metal, you name it. I, I enjoy rock music. So I thought, uh, let me turn that passion into a, into a show since we have the platform. And uh, we're fully licensed through the local rights organizations, so all legal. And um, mm-hmm. we are, uh, we've record, I've recorded two episodes of, uh, of the Rock Central so far. It's already available through all the main podcasting platforms. So if you're using iTunes or uh, Apple Podcasts or um, Google Podcasts, Iono, uh, TuneIn, Overcast. Uh, I know I'm going to be missing names here, but it's on most of them, if not all of them by now. Um, just search Rock Central, that's one word, Rock Central, and you should find it and hit that subscribe button. I'd love to know what you think. But in re- related to that, um, I thought what would be fun to do on this show, on us every Sunday, is to record a um, or to play back a, a, a song of the week. Um, so one week I'd pick one, and uh, the next week Rechard would pick one. Could be anything. Could be a latest track. Could be something that's uh, really caught your attention during the week. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to kick it off this week with uh, 
with a, with a song from a band called The Pineapple Thief. Um, really great band. They've been around for quite a long time now. Progressive rock band out of the UK. They've got a new album coming out in, um, I think, at the end of August uh, called um, Dissolution. Um, their last album was absolutely fantastic. Um, if you don't know this band, check, check them out. Their last album was called uh, Your Wilderness from 2016. But All the Wars and something Someone Here is Missing is also great albums worth, worth checking out. But this is the first track of the new Pineapple Thief album, and it's called Far Below. For, uh, until uh, next time, from Rechard and myself, oh, and keep those uh, WhatsApps coming, by the way, 071 From Rechard and myself, until next week, cheers. Ciao, ciao.